Punjabi comes marching home again. Hurrah, hurrah. We'll give him a hearty welcome then. Hurrah, hurrah. Oh, the men will cheer, the boys will shout, the ladies they will all turn out and we'll all feel gay when Johnny comes marching home. And we'll all feel gay when Johnny comes marching home. Get ready for the Jubilee. Hurrah, hurrah. We'll give the hero three times three. Hurrah, hurrah. Oh, the war of Reed is ready now to place upon his royal power. And we'll all feel gay when Johnny comes marching home. And we'll all feel gay when Johnny comes marching home. Yes. In all right. 1861. Hurrah, hurrah. That was when the war begun. Hurrah, hurrah. So, what is this? Is this 1861? No, I think that we're, I think we're already in it. Although it's, a, it, it could, be, you could also say it's prior to 1861. We got a whole bunch of little uh, deranged John Browns running around right now. Boy, what a day for history, huh? <laughs> this was going to be a night for show history. We have a terrific guest coming on. I have been so patient. Uh, over the years, I just knew it's on, on my guest uh, wish list. I want to I want to talk to Grace from Really Graceful. I want to have her on the show. And uh, and today was the day. She's got a new book out. We're gonna we're gonna have a great time. And it just so happens to be the day that Donald Trump was indicted. Yeah, it ha- actually happens to be like the hour. It's so fresh. This is uh, a day after they say, "Oh, we're gonna take a month long hiatus." So I um. Does it make sense to you? It sure does for me. One way or another, I, I couldn't... Um, I, I, I like when deranged, stupid people, losers, overcommit to a bad plan. I really... I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it at this point. I don't see a fix, as you know, so I just say, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, uh, let's core this problem out, and let's have a good time. But... Um, We're going to be able to do so much tonight, and I don't know if we're going to have time for calls, but tomorrow night, it will just—I'll just just leave the lines open, and we'll uh, and we'll take calls. But tonight's going to be jam-packed because I got a lot I want to do with Grace. I want to talk about the process of putting this book together, and I'm sure she's going to have some things to say about what just broke. So, that's that. In a nutshell, long-awaited debut. If you don't know her, you got to go check out Really Graceful on YouTube. And I put her link tree in the description of this episode so you can find all of her other links. She's on Instagram and Twitter and elsewhere. But since 2016, Grace has endeavored to make better sense of the circus that is geopolitics and expose the history of the actors who are constantly demanding our attention. Like today. Like today, <laughs> it's just it's just perfect. I'm telling you, sometimes I don't even need to write the show. But it's a testament to how well the show is put together because uh, it's just one self-fulfilling train of thought after another. I wouldn't say self-fulfilling, but it's validating. It's not like I'm creating this myself, not willing it into existence. But uh, it does, it does, you don't have to be clairvoyant to see three steps down the road either. There's patterns to be recognized, and that's what we do tonight. And that's what Grace does. 
she recognizes patterns. So um, I want to thank everybody for being here tonight. Again, go to quitefrankly.tv, the affiliates page, and take a look at everything that Pat and Gina at bluemonsterprep.com have for you. Get the food, get the water, get some communications equipment for all of your inner circle family and friends, make personal plans, preparedness with each other, go bags. If you just want to be able to get some equipment together so that everybody in the house has a backpack that has certain amount of supplies in it for each person so that you can be on the road for three days and not lose a step. That's the kind of stuff you should be doing. And it's all at Blue Monster Prep, that and much more. First aid, you name it. Power generation, you name it. Also get yourself some gold and silver from Wise Wolf. It's all there. Uh, there's going to be a wonderful facelift done to quitefrankly.tv over the next, I have to say, I don't want to push it. It could be done by the end of the weekend. But it's my birthday weekend, and who knows how busy we all make ourselves and whatever. But within the next week or so, week and a half, the very most, I think much less than that, tomorrow, <laughs> uh, there's going to be a great facelift done to, quite frankly, .TV. I can't wait. I love it. I can't wait. I also have some announcements on booking to come up soon. I just booked ourselves a Storm Chaser. To come on the second week in April, I'll tell you all about that once we get it hammered down. And a few other things that we'll, we'll do soon, too. Going to talk storm chasing. That's going to be great. That'll be nice. All right, all right. So uh, with that all out of the way, I just want to welcome you once again. Let's jump into the grab bag here. So first one's up is what you expect. This is the live feed from New York Times. Well, this was live a little bit, a little bit about an hour ago. Grand jury votes to indict Donald Trump in New York. Mr. Trump will be the first former president to face criminal charges. The precise charges are not yet known, but the case is focused on hush money payments to a porn star during his 2016 campaign. Uh, meanwhile, you know how much taxpayer dollars are are doled out as a part of sexual harassment settlements among congressmen and women while they're in office campaigning, incumbents can campaigning for, for dozens of years? You want to talk about hush money. It's okay when everybody else hushes each other up. If you're, if you're just the, the typical, prototypical, completely controlled company man, if you're the completely bought and, and paid for company woman, then you can you can dole out all the hush money you want. So as far as 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 far as uh, people have their suspicions of Donald Trump, nothing. I mean, there, there's no there's nothing here. Nothing here that should tell you that he's not at least he's not at least just a a tad bit too unpredictable for the snakes, for the vipers that have uh, that have been burrowed in that swamp for so long now. But yeah, there, there's a lot more coming in, and I'm sure it's going to dominate the the rest of the week and the weekend. Perfect, because of course there was a bunch of transgender people that invaded several several state capitol buildings and all that stuff. I, I saw some people were calling it January sixth. And I'm so jealous. Oh, I'm so jealous. That's so great. January. It was, and it's true. It's true. Imagine having the power, ladies and gentlemen. 
to send mentally deranged foot soldiers that you have you have brainwashed, raised from the time that they were in diapers through school, through uh, media, through whatever, and then of course delegating your politics through the crazy parents that have children and and uh, and want their their kids to grow up to be as nuts as they are. Imagine having the power to send all of those mentally deranged foot soldiers that you have created over the years. Uh, into the country, out into the country to occupy Capitol buildings, to burn businesses, to burn churches in front of the White House, to threaten judges while you go and arrest political opponents over accounting misdemeanors with nothing but apologetics delivered by your media. Think about that kind of power. I told you they're alchemists. They speak it into the in, into the ether. They say it enough and they know that there's tens of millions who are going to make it true. For them, for them, talk about power of the mind. So yeah, they're they're uh, contemptible and uh, loathsome bunch. The media and all of their their partners, but it does not mean that they still don't have an ungodly amount of power. Because look what they're doing, and they don't care. Uh, here's a little something to keep your spirits up, though. The metaverse is failing. Metaverse is quickly turning into the meh. Diverse. This is from the Wall Street Journal. The metaverse, the virtual world that was the hot thing in tech less than two years ago, is facing a harsh reality. Walt Disney Company has shut down the division that was developing its metaverse strategies, the Wall Street Journal reported this week. Microsoft Corporation suddenly shut down a social virtual reality platform it acquired in 2017, and Mark Zuckerberg, who renamed Facebook as Meta Platforms Incorporated, to signal his seriousness about the metaverse, focused more on artificial intelligence on an earnings call last month. Meanwhile, the price for virtual real estate in some online worlds where users can hang out as avatars has cratered. Has cratered. Imagine that. The median sale price for la- for land. Okay, listen to how the how you have to describe this this imaginary bullshit. The median sale price for land in Decentraland, which is a digital location, has declined almost 90% from a year ago, according to WeMeta, a site that tracks land sales in the metaverse. Now, as you all know at home, there is no reward without some risk. But can you imagine having spent $100,000 on a cartoon house? Can you imagine having spent... $10,000 on a cartoon house? Expecting that to go? (laughs) What did they expect? Oh. Oh, geez. I I don't know anymore. Well, this girl right here is a lot more clever than uh, any of the people who were buying land in the metaverse. A Girl Scout. This is from World Net Daily. Girl Scout plans works. She set the mind-boggling number of cookies. She sold them a mind-boggling number of cookies after embracing capitalism. So freedom. The free market. Girl Scouts have all sorts of 21st century tactics for selling their delicious addictive cookies. 
Gone are the days when little pigtailed cherubs had to rely on nervous giggles and perky smiles to attract customers. Amazon and other websites sell any number of eye-catching, professionally designed banners and signs to help scouts attract potential purchasers. Enterprising youngsters are no longer limited to grocery store entrances to sell their sweet, crunchy wares, according to Insider. Now they can score sales over the internet, and yes, they take Venmo and other electronic forms of payment. The Girl Scouts website even has a handy locator feature where potential customers can enter their zip code and find the cookie sales location near to them. One enterprising scout in Alaska has found sales success by duplicating the strategy of fast food restaurants. She created a drive through cookie booth, uh, parked it in the Cars grocery store parking lot in the Anchorage neighborhood of Debar. Kayla Melchoff, 17 years old, told KTUU-TV's Dave Allgood that it's, it took her three years to convert an old 1970s-era camping trailer into a cookies sales booth. I thought she was going to say a cookies meth lab. I scrapped it. It was a Winnebago. This is like uh, the... the um, <laughs> what is this? This should be the, the, the story of Heisenberg's daughter. You know? He dies when his daughter is only like uh, a year old, maybe two. I forget how old she was in Breaking Bad. But this should be the story of Heisenberg's daughter. Uh, the idea, she said, was mimicking the idea of a, co- a coffee kiosk. So there you go. Everybody said they love it. I can drive up like McDonald's, said these customers, these women, of course. Are going up there? I just, it's not, I'm not making a jab at women there. I love these these cookies too. I haven't had one in a long time, but I like them. But good for her. Good for her. It seems she discovered the recipe for success. She said that her March cookie sales, March, are on track of exceeding 5,000 boxes of cookies. Oh my gosh! I hope she's selling insulin with them as well. I hope everybody gets a free free bottle of Joe Biden insulin. Go along with your with your uh, your mint thins or your thin mints. Oh, here's a winner for you. This is from the Daily Mail. I reported seven to eight guys, says a woman who joined a conservative dating site, as she reveals that she sent January sixth rioters details to the FBI. Think about how relentlessly evil you have to be. How relentless in your evil, in your your misery, in your turmoil do you have to be to be this woman? Caitlin Berg, of course, tricked her way onto an invite-only platform with, uh, with Yeehawed Profile. She said she eventually reported seven or eight guys who claimed to be at the Capitol on January 6th. Berg went under the pseudonym uh, Caitlin Brandy to get referred to the app. A woman is claiming that she has gone and reported eight guys who have participated in January 6th riots. And, oh, there she is. There she is. She looks like a winner, yeah. No, she's not a reptilian in a very loosely fitting mask. Not at all. She has a snout like a, I don't know what. Now, here's a woman who will soon have nothing left in her life except... Girl Scout cookies. All right. There you go. 
Eight cats and a drunk of uh, a trunk of uh, Samoas. That's going to be the title of her autobiography. Caitlin Berg, the Kate, eight cats and a trunk of Samoas, the Caitlin Berg story. How I took down the insurrection. Freaks. And here's one last. Here's one last one for you. Here's a UN spokesman. His name is Farhan Haq. And he seemingly, seemingly, as they said over here by this Twitter account, humiliated by a journalist. The journalist I went out, he found out his name is Edward Zhu. That's X-U, Edward Zhu. Humiliated by a journalist who posed a simple question. Do you think the U.S. military presence in Syria is illegal or not? And he was asking this in context with what is going on with Russia, with what's going on around the world, um, you know, what occupations are illegal, what needs the entire world to be marshaled, uh, the, the, the military and economic forces and the sanctioning power of the world, what, kind, what needs to be marshaled together to go and fix every problem in every country? What should be done? Are we just going to ignore when NATO countries and the ringleaders in the U.S., are doing that all over the place with their hundreds of military bases and hundreds of thousands of troops jerking each other off all over the all over the world for no reason or what are we gonna have any this was just incredible take a listen to this do you think the presence of the u.s military in syria is is illegal or not uh that that's not an issue that uh, that uh, we're we're dealing with at this stage. There's been a war. But uh, is that is that there, there's, because it, there's, it sounds very familiar. This week we talk a lot about the UN Charter, the the the, the international law, and relative resolutions. But it, it sounds to me a foreign foreign presence, foreign military based presence in another country without invitation, sounds like sounds like something else to me. You know. Uh, I'll, I'll leave your analysis to you. Uh, that the, there's, there's uh, at, at this stage. What's the, what's the difference at, at between, stage, between the, Syria, there's, there's no, the situation in Syria, and the situation in Ukraine? There's no U.S. armed forces inside mm-hmm. of Syria. No. Oh. Oh. Uh, so, uh, so I don't have a. Do you remember Donald Trump wanted to wean down, wean away at the war, uh, at the military activity in Syria, and the Pentagon was actually hiding numbers of troops from Trump so he could not pull them out hiding troop placement from the commander in chief this 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 idiot over here ugh it's it's not a you, parallel you, situation you're, you're to sure some of the there's no there's no US US military personnel I, I believe there's military activity yeah but uh, but uh, but uh, in terms of ground presence in Syria I'm not aware of that Okay, five U.S. service members were injured in that attack. If there's no, there were no U.S. soldier service members in Syria, how could they got injured? <laughs> uh, that's weird, right? Should I ask yeah. you about that? No, yeah, you, you can. Now, you can say, well, boy, they're just not sending their best. But I think it's just that this is as good as it gets for them. This is as good as it gets. See, they're rapists. They hold people down and they destroy the people that they don't like while they, they are the rapists of the world. Especially over there at the UN. Literal rapists at the UN. And this is why censorship is a necessity because these were just, that was a basic line of questions. Very boldly put by journalist Edward Zhu. Very boldly put and 
tremendous, gracious timing, and this weasel had nowhere to run. So uh, that's what they do. That's the, it's the, they get to go out there and do uh, PR with their ties and their suits, feel very good about themselves, and, and they're the actual evil in the world. They're the evil. So, all right, with that all done, I hope you're all in your seats at 7.15. Let's take a moment to introduce the show. That was the pre-show. This is the real one. Please become a sponsor of the show tonight by syndicating it on social media. You can go to Twitter or Gab or Truth or Getter or anywhere, and I have put out all the live links, and you can just give that a little bit of a retweet, a little bit of a bump, and hopefully we can introduce ourselves to some new people tonight. I'll talk to you in a bit. Don't go anywhere. One ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's rock! on YouTube. Okay. Yeah, I saw some people in the chat room. I get a little bit confused by my reference to the Girl Scout cookies, the Samoas. I saw somebody say, does Frank mean s'mores? No. Samoas. Look. These. They're the best ones that they have. They're the best Girl Scout cookies out there. The Samoas are the best ones. I don't care what you say. You're wrong. It's the Samoas. So we have... We had to get that out of the way tonight, too. So, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. It is... I just got a, a text from Rich Barris. He says, and there it is, brother. I know. I know. My, oh, my. I, I might have to get Rich to call in for 10 minutes tomorrow night on a Friday night. There he is. I don't know if Rich is watching right now. If you are, I I know, man. I know. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. What are we going to do? I mean, uh, this is the... I say go for it. Go for it. I mean, why Why would we want anybody to hold pull, hold, pull back any punches at it right now? Don't hold them back. That is just it. There's no, there's no reconciliation. Let it go. 
Do it. Do it. I'm I'm great. I, I am for the cloward Piven uh, approach for all this stuff now. I want more and more people to see what kind of state of absolute degradation and depravity we live under. The veneer of a civil society is almost completely rubbed away, and that's fine by me. It is not that not that I I relish it. I don't. I, I, I want to live in peace. I, want, I wish nothing but peace and happiness for other people. But it's obvious right now that, um, that for far too long, we had our hands off of the steering wheel. And we delegated far too much to people who were working toward a very cynical, diabolical end. And we are very late in the game now. You can't just jump into the driver's seat and grab onto the wheel anymore. The car needs to be disabled somehow. Here is a very timely published article by John Whitehead at the Rutherford Institute. I reached out to John and Nisha to see if he wants to come on the show again soon. And I want to read this for the next couple of minutes to set the stage for grace because I think it's, it's very, uh, it's apropos. A state of never-ending crisis The government is fomenting mass hysteria. Authored by John and Nisha Whitehead at the Rutherford Institute. He said this, this, uh, and then he leads with a Hunter S. Thompson quote. This country has been having a nationwide nervous breakdown since 9-11. A nation of people suddenly broke. The market economy goes to shit. And they're threatening on every side by an unknown, threatened on every side by an unknown sinister enemy. But I don't think fear is a very effective way of dealing with things. Of, respond to, of responding to reality. Fear is just another word for ignorance. Now, um, now before I get all of that out of the way, hold on one second. Uh, for some reason, I have to... Where the hell is... There we go. I had to restart my Zoom for some reason. Hope that doesn't screw things. Did it? Nope. Fine. Had... Can't leave Grace in the lurch. Here's what John Whitehead had to say. We have become guinea pigs in a ruthlessly calculated, carefully orchestrated, chillingly cold-blooded experiment in how to control a population and advance a political agenda without much opposition from the citizenry. This is mind control in its most sinister form. With alarming regularity, the nation is being subjected to a spate of violence that terrorizes the public, destabilizes the country, and gives the government greater justifications to crack down, lock down, and institute even more authoritarian policies for the so-called sake of national security without any objections from the citizenry. Take this latest shooting in Nashville, Tennessee. The 28-year-old shooter, a clearly troubled transgender individual in in, in possession of several military-style weapons, opened fire in a Christian elementary school, killing three children and three adults. Already fingers are being pointed and battle lines are being drawn. Those who want safety at all costs are clamoring for more gun control measures, if not an outright ban against assault weapons uh, for non-military, non-police personnel. Widespread mental health screenings of the general population, more threat assessments and behavioral sensing warnings, more CCTV cameras with facial recognition capabilities, more see something, say something programs aimed at turning Americans into snitches and spies. 
more metal detectors and whole body imaging devices at soft targets, more roaming squads of militarized police empowered to do random bag searches, more fusion centers to centralize and disseminate information to law enforcement agencies, and more surveillance of what Americans say and do, where they go, what they buy, and how they spend their time. This is all part of the deep state's master plan. Ask yourselves, why are we being bombarded with crises, distractions, fake news, and reality TV politics? We're being conditioned like lab mice to subsist on a steady diet of bread and circus politics and an endless spate of crises. Caught up in this crisis of the now, the average person has a hard time keeping up with and remembering all of the events, manufactured or otherwise, which occur like clockwork in order to keep us distracted, deluded, amused, and insulated from reality. Investigative journalist Mike Adams points out the following. This psychological bombardment is waged primarily via the mainstream media, which assaults the viewer by the hour with images of violence, war, emotions, and conflict, because the human nervous system is hardwired to focus on immediate threats accompanied by depictions of violence. Mainstream media viewers have their attention and mental resources funneled into the never-ending crisis of the now, from which they can never have the mental breathing room to apply logic, reason, or historical context. Professor Jacques Ellul studied this phenomenon of overwhelming news, short memories, and the use of propaganda to advance hidden agendas. One thought drives away another. Old facts are chased away by new ones, wrote Ellul. All the while, the government continues to amass more power and authority over the citizenry. When we are being bombarded with wall-to-wall news coverage and news cycles that change every few days... It's difficult to stay focused on one thing, namely holding the government accountable to abiding by the rule of law and the powers that be understand this. Now, he goes on for a while more and um, he goes on to say, in other words, it's all fake, i.e. it's manufactured, i.e. manipulated to distort reality. A big play, a big, big play. And that, as it just so happens... We have our friend Grace showing up tonight from Really Graceful. And her book, aside from a, a fantastic uh, library of material that she has produced for her channel and it, uh, all the places that they're archived, this is the new book, Deep State Encyclopedia, Exposing the Cabal's Playbook. And it is, it is a, it, it's an encyclopedia. In the mid here, here are some of the listings here. I love it. And the introduction is great. And there's so much in here. Here we have in the introduction, I'll, I'll give you just a little bit. For those of you out there that, that just want some kind of a reference, this is just going to be good for all of you. The 9-11 attacks, the Act of 1871, Agenda 21-2030, Antarctica, Aleister Crowley, Alphabet Agencies, the Anunnaki, the Book of Enoch, the Bilderberg Group, Bill Gates, Babylonian debt slavery, Bain and Company, the Balfour Declaration, the Biden family, the Black Pope, BlackRock. Oh, man, there's so much here. Bush family, cancel culture, Cass Sunstein, Chimera, Cicada 3301, City of London, Comet Ping Pong. Oh, there's so much. She's even got contraceptive corn in here. It goes on and on. Jeffrey Epstein, the JFK assassination, Jack Parsons, 
Ingersoll Lockwood, the Illuminati, the Illuminati card game, DynCorp, the Eastern Star, Edward Bernays, Elon Musk, Endless War, Event 201, Fabian Society, False Flag, Finder's Cult. It's, uh, it's all in here. And the best thing is that you can read it. You can read it cover to cover or you can keep it as a very useful resource and, uh, and thumb through it for whatever you may need on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, that's just really where we are at with all of this stuff. I mean, especially when I looked at it wasn't even waking up and seeing the news. This whole thing about Trump getting indicted is just a little bit over an hour old. So imagine my shock when New York squeezes this out the day after they announce a month-long hiatus from the entire grand jury altogether. While a bunch of transgender nut jobs are pushing their way into state capitol buildings on the same week that Christian children were gunned down in a school, imagine my shock that the channel was changed away from how violent the T's in the acronym are getting. And, uh, and nothing but apologetics from the, the psycho stewardess at the White House, the press secretary, and um, it's, it's just constant changing of the channel. And it's not fun, it never has been, and it's getting more and more dangerous for everyday people. And, uh, and that's what we have here. So, when it comes to Grace, I found her probably around 2017, probably around there. But since 2016, Grace has been a professional filmmaker, writer, journalist. Through her videos, she connects history to the current events in order to better understand present landscape of politics culture creation and global theater you see why it's so it's so important right now global theater well what is this if not global theater and the creation of culture we have seen cultural replacement uh it 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 happened in a very weird kind of a uh weird kind of a cocooned way you know you, you it's almost like we went we had a cocoon built up around us and then we when we came out of that thing, we were, we were totally different. It was a metamorphosis. It was a mutation, even. But, um, but this, is the, this is what we're going to be tackling tonight. So many, many different things that we're going to be doing. Um, but I also have some of your own questions that have come in, which I think Grace is going to have a lot of fun answering because I have just technical questions to ask her. But there's so many theories. There's so many other things. I want to bring up AI and, uh, and hell, even cheese. I've got a question. It needs to happen. But let me go and take a quick break. And when we come on back, we will be ready for Grace. All right. Hold on one second. Here we go. BRB. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret society, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, 
not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. No expenditure is questioned, no rumor is printed, no secret is revealed. That is why the Athenian lawmaker Solon decreed it a crime for any citizen to shrink from controversy. But I am asking your help in the tremendous task of informing and alerting the American people. Confident that with your help, man will be what he was born to be, free and independent. I will have the gabagool. The what? The gabagool. All right, so we are back. And uh, it's time to get started. And we've got our friend Grace is here. What's going on, Grace? You hear me? Hey, yes, I can hear you. Wowee. It's finally happening, isn't it? This is really happening. It's really happening. It's actually happening. <laughs> you know, I can't believe it. No, I can't either. And and, and, and I, I, I was telling you just a little bit of what I was thinking before when we did our test over here. I've been waiting patiently for the day that you joined this show for years now. And of course... It ends up being on the day that Donald Trump is indicted. So, I mean... What are the chances? What are the chances? I've watched you for years. I'm so excited to be here. This is why we need your book. Wow, what news? Because we've got our bread. We've got our circuses. Pass the loaf around, everybody. (laughs) This is huge news. What have you been able to, I know that this is as fresh for you as anybody else, but what you've been able to just take a look at, I know you've had your theories. I did too. Uh, It was just yesterday they said, all right, it's a month-long hiatus. And I thought that was, I, I think my comment was, all right, 30 days is just enough to make everybody forget that this ever happened and they can just kind of slink back into the bushes and uh, and and just say okay Georgia see if you can indict him with something we're just gonna leave this one alone but then less than right. 24 hours later what, any thoughts have come up for you in the last hour it just reinforces the idea to me that our country crazy things are going down and I think personally I'm of the opinion that the Biden administration will burn it all to the ground. The people who are um, trying to destroy our country instead of being held accountable in our justice system, they would rather burn it all down. And I think this is a win for Trump, really, for him to be indicted. We're we're indicting former presidents now. We're really doing that, the Mm -hmm. political opposition. It's just insane. Yeah, it is. It is. And, you know, I I think that... uh, As I said, the subject matter is so relevant, and that's why I I look at this deep deep state encyclopedia over here, and this is what it's necessary on so many levels. We're going to get into it right now. So first, let's just let's just jump into it. I want to talk about your origin story for a second. You are a prolific producer. I mean, anybody I talk to uh, uh, about you or when I'm just observing it myself, the videos are so perfectly produced and I mean, from a, a, an aesthetic level, um, vocals, everything. 
Uh, but I, I seem to remember you saying that your channel didn't start off as doing current event deep dives and profiles. Well, tell me a little bit about your transformation as a producer. First of all, thank you for the compliment. I appreciate that. And I started my YouTube channel in college when I was 21 years old. So I had a social media internship in college and it was for a fashion company, which sounds, you know, exciting, but it was three people who worked at the company. It was for a plastic surgeon who had this website where we would go around campus and we would take pictures of people's outfits and post them on the website. And I don't know, maybe he got a tax write-off or something. He wasn't super interested in it, but I, it, it gave me credit for having a social media internship in in college. And so that's how my YouTube channel started. I would post, you know, um, pop culture and my outfit of the day and how to study for college and just stupid videos, really. And eventually, as I went into grad school, I kind of became disenchanted with it because how, you know, for how long can you do something that you're not really passionate about? You can only make so many videos about what you're wearing. And um, so I quit for a while and I went out into the real world and started working and I actually got a job where uh, I made video content pretty much full time for this medical company. And they were, they partnered with a couple of sports teams, like popular sports teams. So my videos got to be on the prompter at the games and that was really exciting for me. Wow. So, um, so then I quit, of course, because I wanted to freelance. I, I, you get all your work done on Monday and then they just pay you to sit there for the rest of the week. And, um, so I figured I could freelance and get more done and talk about stuff I was passionate about because my, my ideas, my interests were changing. So what was the first, and, the, what was the first current, like, what, what would you say? Well, I mean, would you say you would probably, probably know what was the first current events really graceful that we all know piece that you covered on your channel that you said I'm 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 going to turn the page and I'm going in on this I'm going in on this vision I have what was the first thing that you did well I don't know if I can say it on here because these videos have been removed by YouTube they've been re removed well, pretty I'm much a, everywhere I'm not on YouTube until tomorrow so the hell with it so I used to do, I, I got very interested, first of all, I was very interested in the whole George Soros angle with these uh, riots around these arrests. So I would see all these people getting shipped into these cities on buses and they had these prof the professional signage, the professional, professional t-shirts and they would, I mean, there just happens to be a pallet of bricks sitting next to them wherever they go and they would loot the city, burn down peace, peaceful but fiery protests. And um, so that started in 2014. That's when I got kind of interested in George Soros. But that led me to following a lot of news stories, which led me down the Comet Pizza ping pong angle. Okay. Yeah. So I, I can condense a lot of information into one sort of monologue, right? So... I felt that all the Comet Pizza stuff was really unnecessarily complicated. So my first video was condensing it into under five minutes. So that was my first one that I kind of stepped into the conspiracy news realm, I guess. Mm -hmm. That I mean, that so, that's huge. 
That is such a big story. And you're right. It is, uh, it, it is not complicated as far as how, how it, we, we stumbled upon it, what the Podesta emails, and pretty much this coded language that was discovered. Uh, there's, right. there, there's, there's not a lot of complex stuff there, but when you start branching out into almost like these side quest investigations that always add more context and more you know, gut-wrenching um, uh, validity to the whole thing, that's where it gets a little bit more um, murky, but, but the core of it, sure. yeah. But, and I gotta say, the stuff that you went on to create very necessary work that does not expire. Um, for for example, your the what the media won't tell you series. Very nice. Uh, that was the best way that anybody's ever explained the Iran Iraq war to me. Um, Syria, uh, so much so much stuff made made more uh, palatable about Israel, its founding, and everything else. Um, but, but how are you doing on how are you doing it all on your own? I mean, do you? Do you have uh, do you have any kind of production help? It's so consistent from the beginning. It, I mean, obviously, this you've been doing it for a while, but is this all you, the imagery and everything? So it's all me from the research to the writing to the recording to the editing, the video editing. The video is my favorite part, by the way. To the um, to the thumbnails, everything. It's all me. But I will say, my family helps me out a great deal with. Things like childcare, like my my mother-in-law keeps my child a bunch. My mom keeps my child a bunch. Even my grandparents will come over here while I'm recording a video, and they'll stay upstairs with my child so I can record a video. So they help me out a lot. That's great. But, um, but it's just me, and I mean, as far as this book is concerned, this Deep State Encyclopedia, that was all me, too. And uh, not that I wanted it to be all me, because I wasn't very comfortable with you know, um, making a cover for a book and things like that. Self-publishing was a new venture, but it's a one woman show. And I think that's, I mean, that's how I stay truly independent over here and nobody's telling me what to say or what to write about or anything like that. So that's what I enjoy because I've never enjoyed answering to a boss <laughs> or anything like that you you and me both you and me both before this it was a lot of personal training because i can go out and interface and make my own my own uh schedule and uh pay the bills while remaining flexible enough to continue building up the streaming uh, the the broadcast talk radio concept that i'm so in love with and and here here we both are and and now as you we got a little bit of your history on the video end of things and how you establish yourself as a brand, but as you just said, you are now a published author. That you can add that uh, to your resume as well. How long did it take you to compile everything that made this particular book, the Deep State Encyclopedia? Um, how long did it take you to compile and be satisfied with the finished product? Because I know writing can go on forever if you don't stop yourself. Writing can go on forever. And I mean, it gets kind of lengthy because you don't want to put out a thousand page book. No one wants to read that. Yep. But I would say since 2015, 2016, I started comp compiling all this information, all my sources, because I like to keep a little cheat sheet with the with the links there so I can reference it whenever, you know, a lot of bookmarks, things like that on topics that I'm researching. So I, you know, in 2016, it was kind of a, we have the nature of the disappearing internet right now. And um, yes. 2016, it was a different ball game because you could really find a lot on things like George Soros and even 
the WikiLeaks kind of stuff. A bunch of the WikiLeaks stuff isn't, the website's down now. So I would notice over the years that these links kept disappearing and I couldn't find archives for them or it would be very difficult to find this information. So I, to answer your question, since 2016, and um, and I wanted to put everything in one place where it couldn't be deleted from the internet because even mainstream articles and people, uh, stuff people consider reputable, they would remove their article and that would be gone. And so if you're sitting at your kitchen table with your family and you're trying to explain something to them or if they have a question, you want to reference something real quick, right? Because they need the sauce on that. Like they need yep. they need the info. Uh, I don't want to seem like I just pulled it out of a hat or something. Oh, so, yeah. um, so that was my goal with this book in the face of our ongoing censorship, which I believe will probably just get worse in the future, to have it all in one place and have the references archived and have something where somebody can take the book to their family if they're having this discussion at Thanksgiving or Christmas. You know how these things go. Um, and they can say, well, look here. This is what it says here. And if you want the source on that, here, here it is. It's listed here. I love that, too, because even – and I, I, I we're going to get into the, the disappearing internet there – um, because that comes up on this show a lot, and I, mm -hmm. I, I, I love to talk about that with you. But I love the fact that you, it, you put the URLs there, because even though it's, you know, it's a, it's a physical book, you can't click it. You can still type it into a, uh, you type it into the field there, and if it's not there, then you can, you can actually see for yourself a reputable source has now deleted this thing. And even if it's left up, you can't even trust that it hasn't been altered. I mean, we're, no. we're, we're lucky when some websites tell us the last time an, up, a, a, uh, an article has been updated. And it's very weird when you see an article that was published more than three years ago that was updated within the last couple of months. There, yeah. This stuff happens all, it's very 1984, but you know, your introduction in this book, it hits very hard on something that we discuss a lot. And you said that you're glad that you began scribbling down names and places and terms that you wanted to understand and commit to memory. And you write in the introduction that I'm glad I did this because now in 2023, the internet is growing smaller. Good information is becoming harder to find because of censorship. It's almost like witnessing the burning of the Library of Alexandria all over again. It, it, and, and it's not, um, you know, it's true. It's so true. I would say that the modern day censorship actually encompasses far more materials that was physically held in Alexandria because the internet has allowed so many average people to contribute thought-provoking work, even if it's anonymous. So it, mm -hmm. th to have this shrink on us is, is, um, is, is so much more impactful. And you, I just think of all the YouTube videos that you watched over the years that are not there anymore because of the censorship, because Susan Wojcicki, we can't smack talk her anymore, I guess, because she stepped down. But Susan Wojcicki removed those. I mean, so much information, good information. And even if it's not good information, thought-provoking pro information that made you ask questions, do research, and go on your own little journey, um, you know, it's gone. So... It is very much like the burning of library at Alexandria, just like I said in the book, without all the smoke, because you just log on one day and this whole project you've been working on, oh, well, there's no sources to it. The people who wrote this over at 
NPR or whatever, um, CNN, they deleted it. And it's like you were saying, they even update articles from 2015, even from, I saw that one the other day that was updated from 2001 and they updated it like last week because the information had all of a sudden become relevant. And they they don't tell you what it is. Mm -mm. It's just been updated. So, you know, it's, I guess it's, it's left to your imagination and what does update mean? It just means it's been modernized. And um, so we've always been at war with what Eurasia. I, for, I forget what the the line is there, but you know, and that includes anonymous essays, four uh, chan threads, comment sections, memes. I mean, these are the cave paintings of our time. And like you said, it doesn't have to be factually correct about something. All it needs to be is thought provoking, because then maybe somebody can take take a thought go investigate, find something even more interesting to bring out there that is a little bit more legitimate. So you can you can go from you can go from abstract to really concrete thought just by having real people instigate each other on the internet and and we're we're finding that going away. Now, it's not in this book, but your introduction speaks to the basic concept of what amounts to dead internet theory. And uh, somewhere, where somewhere in the last 15 years or so, there's been a wide-scale deleting of the old internet that most internet users are now corralled into AI-infested apps um, where they're easily yeah. astroturfed by feds. Of course, basic search engine manipulation alone can swing elections. We know that. Um, have, you, have you looked into that at all, uh, the actual dead internet theory? Well, I saw the the video that Truthstream Media put out about it, yeah. and it was so it was so thought provoking because it is really true. Um, when I look at these, we've been cul de sacked into these different uh, avenues, as you know, what we're labeled as. Uh, I mean, I get labeled as an alt right extremist all the time, even though I'm just like, well, you should do your own research. I'm not like, go fill up your trucks with fertilizer, everyone. (laughs) I'm not saying that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, like on these Telegram and True Social and all of that, it's great that we have these things. And I very much encourage these alternate medias and alternate social medias. But Ultimately, we're being taken out of the public square of discourse, like on YouTube, for example, you know, they they have ushered in so much censorship and essentially taken us out of the conversation. And I find that very frustrating. And even on Twitter now, where Elon Musk's Twitter, how much of that is just a it's like a mirror of yourself, right? When you log into Twitter, I'm always like, this is a little slice of hell, but it's a little slice of hell I created because right. I curated this. And um, and how much of that is astroturfed? How much of it is genuine? How much of the videos that we see on the internet are real or maybe they're NVIDIA, um, you know, sort of generated AI videos just to strike a certain emotional response from us and get us all divided on one side or the other of an issue i see that a lot and especially i mean especially this week with all the trans stuff oh yeah yeah i i i caught on as far as ai media goes i caught on a couple of years ago to a a big spate of of usa today articles that had been duplicated by the dozens 
and they were just slightly switched. They were all about gun gun violence, and they were all slightly altered. Ex- same exact article that was slightly altered to reflect different regions and states of the country so that I guess just every once in a while to keep populating new fresh searches for these hot button mm. issues so that when people go and they, they look for them, they're popping up. It seems like it's a really bad problem and it's even near them. So and I, I looking at that, I said, I said, all right, well, what what is the, the chances that this this one article could have been reproduced dozens of times by human beings? just swapping out key phrases and little things to, to kind of customize them a little bit. So no, it's, 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 it's horseshit. There's no way in hell that this is, this is real people. Um, th- then the other thing there too is when you go back to the actual term conspiracy theorist, I know you know because you studied the JFK assassination, Operation Mockingbird and all that, conspiracy theorist was actually not only created to go against anybody who was coming up with alternative, alternate uh, ideas uh, to what had happened to President Kennedy, but the CIA and Mockingbird actually invested time into creating and proliferating alternative theories about the the JFK assassination. So uh, they have invested in debunking their own work in the past just yeah. to be able to create their own straw men. So uh, yeah, you, you just don't know. And I saw the Truth Stream stuff. I actually I put you up there with Truthstream as far as uh, reporting, storytelling, human interest. I think you guys do uh, very, very similar, awesome work. And um, Thank me. you. That's a huge compliment. I love them. I love them. I really do. I can put them on repeat all night. But let me ask you this about the publishing situation now. Well, number one, uh, is there going to be an anthology of these books? Obviously, you can do volume two, three, four if you really wanted to. Is that in the, the plan, or are you going to move on to some other project now? I feel like I have another en- encyclopedia to to do because I cut so much out. I kind of focused this one on the old meets the new, and I want to do another one that we focus on the social issues and how they're driven, and like even what you what you just said about the CIA, how they control their own opposition, how the CIA and other forces have controlled these social issues that we now fight over as we, in my opinion, have kind of a crumbling empire, and it's very much parallel to the the fall of Rome. So I wanted to do a second book on that, but I could also pretty much autistically go in and make another book on a specific issue. I have a couple ideas. I really do. And um, so I'm excited about the prospect of that. Writing is definitely my favorite form of expression. Um, Speaking, not so much. I like video editing, but writing. I just feel like I can get it all down and work it all out on paper and write it out in an understandable way where everyone can pretty much have a takeaway and get the full picture. Well, it, so, yeah. Yeah, no, I, it, it's great that you're doing that because um, to hold something physically, I would say that the modern day censorship, like I said, it, 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 to, to be able to hold this in your hand is so important because you just don't know don't know when the lights are going out you just don't know and that's great to hear that that this is something because i wanted to get into publishing too i just don't know what and uh and and it's just great you to should see. people want to hold this stuff they, they want something outside of just this disappearing internet where they can take it and 
even homeschool their children with some of the stuff that we're talking about and tell their children about it um, in a way that isn't 24-hour news broadcast fear and hate and let's all hate each other, you know, which is the 24-hour news cycle. (laughs) So outside of that, yeah. Um, But as far as publishing is concerned, yes, I would love to do more. And you should, too. You should hit me up. I I have some information. Well, well, that's a big thing here I I need to know about your your journey to actually get this to print. Because you've got vaccines. You're talking Sabbatean Frankism. Very important stuff. Eugenics. These are hot Mm -hmm. button topics in there. I can't imagine it was very easy finding a willing taker to put this to print. So uh, what? who did you settle? Was it all self-published in the end? Uh, or it was, Go ahead. It was all self-published in the end. For a while there, I was kind of... I was kind of smoking crack there for a little while. I thought I could get a publisher or an agent that would let me just speak my mind, cover topics I'm passionate about and things like, I don't know why I felt that way. I've been on YouTube for five, six years and the videos just disappear that I make. But, um, but so I contacted, this is a little inside baseball, a little tea, if you will. Um, I contacted Simon and Schuster who have their conservative wing of publishing, which is, forefront publishing and they said yes absolutely we'll publish you but you have to pay us $32,000 and you have to take this this and this out and some of the some of the chapters they wanted out were Leo Frank (laughs) Kalergi of um, course (laughs) things like that so I said thanks, but no thanks. I also contacted someone within the conspiracy realm. You know, on our side of YouTube, a lot of people are traditionally published. And um, I just want to say that a benefit of being traditionally published, which I was very interested in, was the editing, marketing, and making the cover aspect. Yes, please. Like, I don't want to do that stuff. It's not my highest level of excitement at all to uh, create a cover and stuff like that because I had to watch like 24 hours of tutorials (laughs) in order to accomplish that. But um, so I thought it would be really great to have a traditional publisher. So I contacted a well-known publisher within our side of the internet. And um, he told me he, he was, I cold called him. I mean, I, I messaged him and I said, Hey, I have this book. And uh, I would be interested in publishing with you. I would love to tell you about it. So he said, okay, call me. And I did. And he was definitely not interested. He was was definitely not interested. He told me, you're never going to sell 10,000 books. No one does on the side of the information. And uh, you're going to end up costing me money. So no thanks, but no thanks. Well, I sold 10,000 books within the first three weeks. So oh. I sent him a copy. <laughs> Hell, so you sent him a copy. That's fair. Did you sign it? Yeah. That's so great. Oh, what did they, what did they say about uh, serving up revenge cold? It's just, eh, you know, just, there's no no bad blood. But thanks for not taking a chance on me. That's, that's amazing. That's so, congratulations. That's the first what, week you said? First three weeks wow. were 10,000 copies. So I was so excited and it makes it, you know, the YouTube views, I think YouTube can be a little demoralizing because while people are watching, you're, you're 
videos get suppressed based on what you talk about. You're not always sure if the people are real who are in the comment section. You don't always know, but you always appreciate whoever's watching. And um, so it feels it feels real to me if people are reading the book and having feedback and telling me that, you know, th what they think of this, this and this. It feels real to me in a way that YouTube does not because people have it in their house on their kitchen table. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Are you a, are you a, uh, obviously you read, you research a lot, but as far as just pleasure reading, do you read a lot of fiction? Do you, do you go into the classics? How often do you spend reading? I spend a lot of time reading. I'm a, I'm a big nerd from the time I was very young. I mean, we're talking like Lord of the Rings trilogies. I had, I, this is the third time in my life I've been popular online. Cause when I was 12 years old, I had a Lord of the Rings blog <laughs> where, really? where, where I would, um, where I would do like daily updates on the diaries. So yes, I'm reading a lot of fiction, but a lot of it is, um, historical text. Like I'm reading Abraham Lincoln's letters right now. I don't remember the specific name of the book, but he's talking about the deep state in it. He's talking about a secret cabal within Washington. Um, well, it was not Washington back then, but, um, He's talking about a secretive cabal, the Knights of the Golden Circle, who plotted to kill him. I mean, the deep state is prevalent from start to finish on in our country. So I think it's a very important topic to speak about and to make. Re I mean, when we hear about it in the news, they're always saying, oh, it would happen in this. It happens in this country or this country or this country had a secret society where all the members got executed by the government, but it would never happen here, right? <laughs> it would never happen here. So don't worry about it, but we're going to tell you about this. Yeah. And, and over the course of 200 years, if, it, if, it, if they say it never happened, it means it probably happened five times secretly, just just flushing people through. And I see that that's what I love about, uh, you know, the that whole genre of hidden history. I love the occulted history type stuff there that um, that because it, ma it makes you feel like even by reading and being inquisitive, you're on some sort of an Indiana Jones kind of I adventure there. Like, I just found something here that has been buried for so long. and I need to tell somebody about it. And um, it, there's just an excitement that goes along with it. I, you know, I do. Um, I have a book club now with this show. And after, you know, every every quarter we we pick a new book. And I think that that is just such an important thing for people to do if they have the time for it is to do reading exercises to get people involved, to at least talk about what you're reading at the time. And of course, publishing your books. That's a big way of showing people what you've been doing. And that that's just tremendous. Now, as far as your your theories go. I have a couple of things here. I know that you have a really interest because we're talking about dead internet and other things like that and uh, mm -hmm. astroturfing and uh, echo chambers. I know you have a really interesting theory about AI replacement of traditional influencers and entertainment. You spoke about robot Instagram model not too long ago and how you believe that people will follow these robots without even knowing that they're human. I know a lot of people would. And then I saw this article maybe about a week ago from the Daily Star or no, 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 no. I'm sorry. This was about two months ago. It was about how the fashion industry was poking around at the idea of making computer generated models, fashion models 
uh, more and more part of their ability, uh, more part of their um, their their marketing of their products. And it got me thinking about how your theory could apply to every other industry where human faces are needed. If we were in another lockdown or anything like that, a severe lockdown, do you think that an AI candidate, political candidate, could ever trick people into voting it into office? Do you think that's possible? Oh, heck yeah. But would you know that it was an AI? Would you know that? Because they're coming out with all sorts of things. Only in China, of course. They always say it's only happening in China. They have this whole AI newscaster who they've announced is an AI, but how many have they not announced? You know what I mean? Because, of course, if you have an AI newscaster, an AI politician, he's not going to yell out of his window I need you to get mad. I need you, you know, you know, that whole movie. Um, he's not going to, it's totally controlled. And I was listening actually to conservative talk radio on, you know, the mainstream radio It's kind of my, I, I really love it. I don't know. I listen to it all the time, even though I disagree with a lot of it. But um, one guy was talking about how AI is going to be so great for the future of politics, for the future of the justice system, because we are simply too corrupt as a human race to ha to be dealing with these issues and to truly have a justice system that is fair and just. So why not put it in the hands of the AI? And um, that that's the thing, right? Who Who's controlling the AI? <laughs> Who is programming the AI? Exactly. Not good people, and uh, as far as I'm seeing, you know, it's yeah, it's people who have who know that trust in them have cratered, and they they think that they're slick by saying, you know what, I think that we're all just too divided for us to rule each other and to to be able to hold ourselves accountable for following the law and being decent moral people. So what we're going to mm. do is we're going to create a, an artificially intelligent buffer that that we programmed. To go in there and do the work for us. See, it's not us anymore. It's this. Sur it's this surrogate. This we delegated yeah. to this program. It's the natural next step behind having puppet candidates and yeah. things like that. Or like, oh, it's an AI. No worries. But we kind of do have that um, in a sense. Not the AI, but we already have puppet politicians. We have bought and paid for um, congressmen and everything like that. What's? I mean, how's AI any different? Maybe the variable that one day uh, this politician will actually, you know, have that aha moment or the moment where the guilt trip starts weighing in and they'll break. But I'm not I'm not totally bought and sold on that either. Well, you know, many people think that the, uh, that the, a sizable portion of the current crop of public figures we have are composites already. There's there, I oh, mean, really clones. Uh, projections. I mean, how, how many times have we seen these very odd right. production like studio? Fetter Fetterman right now, that whole picture being released where oh, yeah. he has a totally different chin. Yeah, I've, I'm tracking what you're saying. And especially Joe Biden where he uh, doesn't look like he's even, even in the White House. He looks like he's on a set. Or you remember, especially, what, you remember when the boom, the boom mic? The, the cut, boom mic. The cut in mm -hmm. front of 
So it's there's weird it's weird shit going on out there. Rumor is that he's filming in Tyler Perry Studios in Atlanta. So I should go wander around there, make my way over there. He's he's in a room in his underwear eating pudding by himself. Like ah, oh, this makes sense. Hello, Joe. Yes. My God. <laughs> well, you know we all have our theories. We all we all really do, and I I I just hope that we all get to see who wins out. Um, I do have another question for you though, since we brought up sure. a little bit of vaccines before. We have our theories about what was in the vaccines as well and and what the point of them actually were. Uh, what's yours? On a scale from just testing people's level of compliance to nanobots that mind control people, where are you on that theory spectrum? Yeah, I don't subscribe to any. I, I don't I don't fully know because I've witnessed people within my own life receive the vaccine. I haven't, I mean... Mm, I don't know. The nanoparticles, the uh, watch the water, snake venom, everything, the insertions, the HIV AIDS insertions that are supposed to, um, you know, AIDS and HIV, they they attack the immune system. So a person who has something like that, but maybe unbeknownst to them because they got the vaccine that had these insertions, uh, might present with something like this whole fungi Thing that's going around that attacks people with uh, a terrible immune system in the hospitals. I'm not totally sure, but what strikes me is that I was pregnant in the hospital when they announced this vaccine. So, of course, I had two failed inductions, okay? The baby wouldn't come out. So I was there for a week, and I would ask every single nurse who came in, because I was watching the TV where they were talking about the vaccine, and I watched that lady get it live on TV and faint. Mm. I'm like, are you gonna get this? <laughs> Low key, are you gonna get this when it comes out? If they make you get it, are you gonna get it? Or are you gonna quit? And every nurse who came in, they all said, No, I would absolutely not get that. I absolutely would not get an untested vaccine. I would not do this, that, and the other. And in the in the end, they were all forced to to keep mm. their job. And I find that very unsettling because they were all so adamant. They thought it was crazy. Even the doctors that came in, I would ask them, they were like, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. I, I mean, I was in I was in the hospital with, uh, with Lauren in September of 2020. That's when Aurora was born. So we were right in that, you know, it was, it was in a crazy window because it's like September of 2020, the wind, the, everybody kind of loosened up just a little bit. The summer had just calmed down. Yeah. We're a couple of months away from the, the vaccine. And a lot of the, uh, we're talking about old school, liberal women, nurse, old old nurses from, from Connecticut who are, you know, mumbling under their breath, breath to us. I can't, I, I can't stand this shit. You know, they, they, they shut down half the hospital. There's no COVID patients yeah. in here. We're losing so much. Stay. We're, you know, and they, they, they were up to their, their, uh, their eyeballs and stress over the whole thing. They did not seem that they were on board. But uh, when the screws were put to everybody the next year, when those shots were available, jeez, uh, uh, people made some hard decisions, and, and many of them chose their keeping their jobs over having any kind of lapse in employment. So it's, it's, uh, I mean, what if you're a single mom who's oh, a nurse and I, I, it's just a terrible, it's a terrible thing they made everyone do. And then they backpedaled and then they said, um, just yesterday I was reading an article that said healthy children don't need, actually don't need the vaccine according to the CDC and, 
the uh, WHO. Like, they backpedaled so many times and all these people who are politically driven to get this vaccine, get boosted, and get their children boosted as well. I, I, I don't want to be... <laughs> I don't want to be anywhere near that. I really encourage my family not to get the vaccine. And I'm still worried about people in my family who did because I feel like, well, I'm encouraged because I read a lot of, uh, you know, CVS workers and Walgreens workers gave um, injections that were, they didn't have the vaccine in them at all. So the saline. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, saline solution, yeah, and the vaccines. I'm like, please, let it be that because I don't. It doesn't seem like the vaccine uh, fulfilled the sales pitch. Even I mean, it doesn't keep you from getting COVID or anything like that. People still get COVID when they've been injected and boosted 50 different times. And in fact, it seems like the people who were vaccinated with COVID tend to get it more than others who don't. I would never. I. And others who didn't get vaccinated, are they actually testing themselves? Because I would never, I would never get tested. It seems like it's a cold or a flu. That, that, that's why I, I am on the last day of a uh, week-long suspension. I had Dr. Peter McCullough on saying, giving us all of the statistics and the studies behind everything you just said, that, um, that statistically, those who did not get vac- vaccinated are head and shoulders above the rest doing well, especially with how they're dealing with reinfection and things like that, far more better than those who have gone out there and gotten boosted however many times. So it's, uh, hey, we'll, we'll see. I, I just did not know on, on what side of the of the uh, the transhumanist spectrum you were on with that whole thing. Cause there's, it, I'm, fir- I'm firmly on the side of uh, just being critical-minded and not believing what the news says. And even in like my mom groups, um, girls were, moms were getting vaccinated while they were breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. And they were having milk that was blue or milk that was green, which is a sign of your your uh, immune system reacting to the viruses being injected but then they would have babies who drank the milk and they would have effects so that really scared me but then my girlfriend who sent me all these screenshots from these mom groups of them having these terrible reactions ended up getting vaccinated it's like people have gone totally crazy she went and got her entire family vaccinated having known that Having read all that, it's just, I feel like people have given in totally to peer pressure, are totally programmed, and it's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot of deprogramming for them to get out of the fear cycle, because that's what totally drove it. Well, well this is this is another reason why recognizing this kind of stuff going on in society, no matter what it is, whether it's uh, lockdown related and everything else or it, it, it doesn't matter to, to see how people react and to gauge where they are as individuals and as, especially as a group because as you know our IQ plummets in a group um, as individuals you can you can extract some some good wisdom out of people if you sit down one-on-one but once you start adding yeah. more people to the room the the IQ just craters and but like you just said right there you have an, an instance where people are 
are introduced to ideas, to news, to other findings. You see other people experiencing really weird stuff, and you'd expect them to, to learn from it and move forward. So learning is a big thing. How are you able to process new information and learn from it? You, as someone who just compiled all the material for a, a very substantial book right here, um, you do, I mean, you, uh, or you know, for putting together materials for a video that you're doing or a live broadcast for me or anything like that, your perspective changes as you go out to grab more information. You're trying to prove a point or disprove a point. And, and sometimes your assumptions are supported, they're challenged, or they become more intricate. Can you point to anything for you that has changed as far as perspective goes with this project in particular? Anything that you can say definitively changed for you after compiling all this? I would say, you know, I wrote all those chapters on Waco and on Ruby Ridge and on these different uh, government versus the people sort of chapters. And we don't have a broken system we don't have a broken system. We have a system that operates exactly as it's supposed to. And I really see it as such a tragedy that we have a school system, like a public school system that brainwashes people into thinking that the government has their best interests at heart. And because you can't really be for the government and for its people at at this stage, if you see all these facts laid out in front of you, you're either for the people or you're for this tyrannical government that has implemented these, um, you know, COVID lockdowns, medical tyranny, hasn't backtracked on the Patriot Act, hasn't done, has not given up an inch of the control that they've taken any of these times, and they create the problem. They have a predefined solution before they even create the problem, and they manage the reaction to the problem. So, you know, even 9-11, in my book, I, I say, yeah, I, I mean, I give you the facts, but in my mind, I'm like, yeah, the government definitely had a hand in this. They had a heavy hand in it. They knew, they knew what was going to happen, and um, it, I do imply that a lot of it was controlled by them and the response was also controlled because look at what we have now it is total security theater we have a government which spies on us does not value our private privacy our liberty can search and seizure like whenever they so please and they haven't i mean it's been two, since 2001 how long has it been almost 20 years more over 20 years and they haven't given anything. And what have we gotten from it? I get molested every time I go to the airport. Thanks a lot. But still, things get get through, you know? I know. <laughs> people, people who have knives on them and stuff like that. But you can't carry that bottle of water. Because shampoo. actually we're... No shampoo. We're, we're preventing terrorism over here. So, um, you know, I see that. And then even, like, if you want to bring it full circle to what's going on today this whole transhumanism i mean excuse me that was a freudian slip transsexual or you know trans issue oh it's it's all it's all part of it it's you're not too far off yeah i mean 
look at how the government has responded to these Christians, these children who have been victimized at the hand of this mentally unwell person. And the media and the government has only championed their own unwellness. And they haven't been for, you know, they haven't said anything really about how they're attacking, like this is the new, in, in my opinion, this is the new religion. This is the new jihad. This is what the government and the media have created to weaponize the people against each other because they need us to fight each other uh, while the empire is crumbling. Yeah. I um, mean, you're, you're, you're spot on with that. And so then, so I guess that it leads me to my next question, which is, um, is there one group, is there one syndicate with a very distinct goal whose tentacles are controlling every piece on the board, or are we living in an occult version of Game of Thrones where you have strange bedfellows, backstabbing that goes on, uh, you know, very cloak and dagger, deals for acquiring new pieces and just warring uh, syndicate and family life that's going on here. Uh, what can you say about that deep state, that cabal, whose uh, whose agenda is it serving, and is there one ultimate authority on it all, or is it warring tribes? Okay, okay, that's a pretty big question, but I'll try to answer it to the best of my ability. I would say it is warring tribes, but there is a small but concentrated, powerful cabal that sees themselves as the human farmers were cattle to be herded and you can trace you you know them by their fruit right you can see the babylon debt slavery you can see the usury you can see you know mystery babylon in babylon mathematics um is compound interest which is usury okay so we have that and i would say that is a ruling force in our lives today present day um, a lot of people are on the hamster wheel. It's a, a thing to harvest our energy, right? Because we don't necessarily have to pay. <laughs> I mean, if we were like a free society, certainly someone would think up something other than compound interest, not necessarily the best way forward. But I would say it is a group out of Babylon, long time ago, um, who rules from the shadow, who sees themselves as... Um, secret keepers of these mystery religions and there are like all these mystery schools and secret societies of which they have an army of initiates that they go and disperse throughout our world throughout our governments throughout even our media um prime example yale skull and bones all a lot of presidents have come from there a lot of our media a lot of our congressmen so, I mean, yeah, I would say that we got heavy Babylon influence, but mm -hmm. we also have some, we, we also have like the whole Rome-Jerusalem aspect that, um, you know, all of our politicians go and kiss this wall in Jerusalem and Israel and they all do it. They all go kiss it. They all pucker up. And um, that's actually a Roman wall. It's the West Western wall, the yeah. Wailing Wall, when... Um, Jesus was alive. It was a Rome-occupied city, Jerusalem was. And so um, I would say 
We've got some Roman influence from long ago. We've got some Babylonian influence from long ago. And these people have been successful because they're so skilled and you have to give them this okay you have to get they're very skilled at psychologically manipulating the masses without really ever getting their hands dirty and um but i i mean it sounds like a secret secretive cabal controls everything and every aspect yes but at the same time if we could all recognize this and see it for what it was we could just simply go the other way we could we could just you know, identify them, ignore them, not go along with whatever consent they're trying to manufacture Mm -hmm. and go the other way and they wouldn't have any power. So, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I talk about on my channel, uh, in my book, it's very dark. It's kind of depressing. Um, But that's the nature of our reality. But there is hope. I mean, if more people understood that we could just recognize this, talk about it, group form groups together and even you know people people say we could peacefully do this not people whatever we could just go the other way yeah essentially i know I, absolutely and i I'm, I'm i'm right there with you i think that there is a are you oh yeah yeah i i i'm i think that there is it's very hard to to broad stroke anything because there's always somebody that wants to bite the hand that feeds them and, and that especially happens with a bunch of backstabbing people who have no, you know, there's there's no honor among thieves, as you say. So you, you, uh, it's very hard for me to broad stroke anything, but it's it's good to to learn your ancient lineages and and how far back stuff goes and 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 how it manifests today. So, but I also know, and and I I see you acknowledge it in your work as well, the ritualistic nature of the work that is done around the world when it comes to really controlling and directing the um the progress or the uh, the degradation of society theirs is a metaphysical form of alchemy uh, how much of this do you believe and i usually ask this of guests from time to time uh, that come on that deal with this kind of stuff how much of this do you believe is an actual attempt at the end of this is an actual attempt to reach a supernatural end like the in, the incarnation of the fallen, opening a door between worlds, is is the ritual a, a, a aspect? You know the 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 tunnel openings in in Switzerland and, and elsewhere, where you see where you see all this pageantry that you say there's got to be some kind of a spiritual aspect here. Jack Parsons at NASA, you know that they were trying to incarnate the Moon Child. I mean, is this a real supernatural end, or is it uh, a lot of just um, pageantry? because we know that many of them are, are crazy drama club kids. I would say, I would say definitively 100% that they are a bunch of occult freaks. That's what I, I believe. And, uh, you know, mystery Babylon, they had the cult of Osiris, the cult of Isis, the worship of the sun and the moon, uh, Jupiter, and Saturn. And what do you see? A lot of the iconography, a lot of the symbolism and ritual revolves around things that are very old and we see play across our screens today. So there's nothing new under the sun. Mm. And I don't think it is um, to throw us off. I think they are doing their rituals and there is some kind of soul, like spiritual element where they have to do these rituals in front of us at least a little bit. 
and t- and tell us what they're doing for the karmic, you know, uh, output or something like that. Not really totally sure, but I believe they see themselves as, as gods among men, and I believe that they hate God itself. Like, I, I think they hate God, mm-hmm. and um, they do what they can to improve. Improve is not a great word, but to create their own manifestation of creation of divine creation but it's not divine at all it's on it's upside down world and that's what they that's what we're seeing now the inversion absolute inversion and um okay so we're it's 8:26 you we've already been rocking for about 54 minutes it doesn't feel like it's it is anything but now i have a couple of questions that came from a little bit of the audience a little bit of me too okay. so we this is we can go rapid fire, whatever you like, but we're almost at the end here. This has been so fun. I hope you come back again one day. Um, I've had a good time. Thank you. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Um, so here's one from Carlos. He's in the movie business. And he said, uh, uh, Grace, uh, about Grace, I would love to know more about her education, performance. We already talked about your uh, what you did with, in the school and your internships. But performance or writing background, we did a little bit of that too. But what he's commenting on here is the production value you have so high level her comedic delivery is like no other balancing the sarcastic with truth is so wild to me truly masterful it would be nice to hear what gave her the voice that she possesses in our world hollywood voice means style i I would love to hear that about her if there's any time to cover that so what can you say about you you finding your voice as a producer we we got through all the the internships and stuff. What about the voice? Oh well, the I mean, the voice is okay. Full disclosure: when I was learning how to edit video, I would watch how to edit rap videos, how to edit rap music videos, these tutorials, and I would watch that and apply it to my own work and. So you'll see, you know, the music hit the beat and the clip hit the beat, Trump dancing to the music in my Deep State trailer. And you'll see a lot of stuff like that. And, you know, I like that. Um, As far as style, I like to mix a lot of old Hollywood with present day clips just because I like the aesthetic of it. And um, (laughs) I mean, there's nothing deep there. I just like the aesthetic of it. I like how it looks. I think their production of all Hollywood is so beautiful, Um, but it's been, of course, uh, taken over in a lot of ways, perhaps from the beginning, but they got great aesthetic. They have great visuals. Oh, yeah. Um, And a lot of the clips that I use are from, you know, I source a lot of clips from archive.org. Um, which is a lot of old military sort of videos, stuff that isn't necessarily in copyright anymore. Mm. So I naturally have that, that those clips just out of pure um, necessity. So I don't get copyright flagged, but I, you know, I love looking and sourcing clips. That's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, anything that's old enough to be public domain, I think right now is just so great to use because we need such injections of old school culture and little flares of the. I mean, that's that's really one of the things that that really gets me. Um, 
it really gets me when I design the feel of this show too. Is how, how to really mm-hmm. string nostalgia through it all. Uh, so I, I love that. That's uh, that's that's part of that's part of your presentation. Here's another one from John. John says, "How did you get past your stage fright? What advice would you have for people who have something to say yet are apprehensive to say it amidst the quagmire of social chaos?" Oh boy, stage fright. I don't know. I don't have any kind of stage fright when I'm talking to people in my community and my family. You just got to let it flow. I mean, truth, when you hear it, you know it, you know it, especially as somebody who is awake. Um, And if you're just talking from your heart, from what you know, from what you're passionate about, it just flows fully. You don't have to think about it. So I wouldn't say there's any fright there. There's no sort of, there's no sort of filter when you're talking to other people. I would say a lot of people experience that whole Cassandra effect within their entire family, which is the psychological effect of being ignored when you try to warn um, people about what's going on, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, a lot within the last few years, a lot of people have woken up and are realizing that something is deeply wrong and I would say that now is the time out of any time in all of history that you need to say what's on your mind, especially if you feel so called to and driven to um, to speak your truth. Wonderful, wonderful response. These, these last two are from me. They're pretty quick. Number one is coffee or tea, and how do you take it? Coffee, obviously. Tea? What am I, a Brit? No, coffee. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I take it with a little half and half in it. Oh, good. Good. Okay. That's that's is it. Okay. That's great. Uh, here's another one I ask. Uh, is Desert Island. You're going to a desert island. You got all the most important people in your life there, so you're not alone. But you have a choice of only bringing one type of cheese. What cheese is it? Uh... Probably those mozzarella sticks from Costco that you peel because it's both a snack and an activity. So you'd probably be pretty bored out on a an, on an island. What was your answer when you? What's your answer? I you know I I think I, I might I might stick with a, a the. Those old, I, now you're bringing me back to the, you know, 1992, and I'm I'm taking the polio string cheese out of my brown bag at uh, at school, and yeah, I love the stripping, and you know, I, I appreciated the novelty of the string cheese that had both the cheddar worked into it so you can pull the two cheeses apart but it just didn't it wasn't as as satisfying as just stripping one one kind of I think me I might take a a sharp cheddar with me just as a default but I can go mm-hmm. and I can go anywhere I really can um yeah but I would take a blue cheese or a gorgonzola but you need something to put it on I can't just sit there eating gorgonzola I need a salad. Blue, ch- blue cheese is kind of a strategic response because it has penicillin in it. Oh so if you're on that desert island, you could, I mean, just swallow some blue cheese if you're feeling under the weather, I guess. How much blue cheese would you have to eat to get a specific, a, a, an actual, an eff- we need to ask somebody now. How much blue cheese would you have to swallow in order to treat an infection well? And how much could you swallow before throwing up? Because exactly. I don't know anybody who can just eat up straight up blue cheese. Yeah, you just can't. A little just can't. Nibble off the chunk. No. 
No, you can't eat a wedge of that just by yourself and be happy with yourself at least. But that's all. But uh, uh, Grace, you have given me above and beyond tonight. This is uh, the Deep State Encyclopedia. I've, I've had it up on the screen from time to time. Here it is in my hand. I've got the author with me here tonight. She's got it in her hand as well. Man, oh man, go on over. Go on over, ladies and gentlemen, to where do you prefer people to go and buy? I know it's on Amazon because I looked it up there, but uh, should people just go to your link tree? That's in the description of this episode. I have all the links on my website at reallygraceful.com. I have a little tab, the Deep, the Deep State Encyclopedia, which will give you locations where you can buy the book. Wonderful. Wonderful. Really, so get on over to Grace's site, and Grace, anytime you want to come by to hang out, the door is always open. You've been a wonderful guest, and uh, thank you for being a friend to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for all your great work over the years, and thank you for everyone who watched. And, okay. Well, I will talk to you soon, and have a wonderful evening. You too. Bye. All right. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Grace. She deserves a nice, peaceful rest of the night. So we're going to go on a really quick intermi intermission. Come back. I'm going to read your Super Chats, and then we're going to end... We're going to end in uh, a nice, a nice way, a nice way, okay? Don't go anywhere, BRB. Paul, what scares you the most? Werewolves. Nina, what scares you the most? Sharks. Dylan, what scares you the most? The unstoppable marching of time that is slowly guiding us all towards an inevitable death. Oh. Uh... Catherine, what scares you the most? Ghosts! It's intermission time, folks. Time out. Press the like button. Thank you. Quite frankly. 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 We all support. Quite frankly. Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. Quite frankly in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly. You going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch, quite frankly, with Frank.
Quite frankly. How dare you? Okay. So, man, oh man, what a wonderful night. A night I have been thinking about for a long time. I'm so happy that it happened. I want to give you a... To remember, on QuiteFrankly.tv, the network after-hours programming kicks in in just about 25 minutes or so. As soon as I finish up here, it'll start over there. The first thing that we have tonight for Throwback Thursday is we have that episode of Coast to Coast that I told you about from July 3rd of 1996 about voter fraud back then. I think that you would really enjoy sitting back and listening to this. Not only listening to the completely blue-pilled callers who just don't believe their ears, but I think that you would also just enjoy the, the trip through time, and I love talk radio, probably for all the reasons why Grace does. Grace and I have a lot in common, especially listening to a lot of just talk radio for the, uh, I think the conversation is just great. Even if you don't agree with everything that people are saying or most things that they're saying, that'll be happening after the show over here ends. And then afterwards, there's going to be a vintage, quite frankly, episode from Good Friday, 2018, the 30th of March, 2018, featuring Chris Ann Hall. And Fleckus, Fleckus Talks, my former friend, when he used to answer my texts. Doesn't even answer my texts during the holidays now. I don't know what happened. So, I wish him well. Anyhow, here we have a... I'm going to go into your Super Chats now, and then I have something to end with. Over on QuiteFranklySuperChat.com, Malinformed Matt says, Evening, Francis. Conspiracy theory for you. The CIA has been creating an army of MKUltra trans uh, trans uh, sleeper cells across the country that are about to activate them and, and overthrow the government and the Biden administration will do nothing because my equity. We need at least one trans dictator. Yeah. Well, th th that's happening. I t they have been inlaid with number of triggers. You're talking about a an investment of generations into this kind of identity crisis, fractured identity and disassociation, this this fatal narcissism that's going on here. Uh, then of course there is the, the, um, the race aspect of this thing that has been invested in heavily for a couple of generations now. And it's all of the triggers. All the triggers are being hit. It's just like they're, they're setting off, they're dropping grenades in, in every every room that they're in and walking out. They're pulling the fire alarms. They're doing everything they can. And uh, it's, listen, it's going to get uncomfortable. We've been saying that for a while. It's not a, a pessimistic thing. If you understand what they've been doing and what they've been planning and what's being revealed to us along the way, the things that we couldn't even conceive of for a while, then there you have it. Just keep your wits about you. Can keep your humor as well. Do not lose your humor. Dooku Dan says, Hi, Frank. 42 years ago today, President Reagan was shot. Today, Jonathan... Uh, Jonathan. 
I saw DJT, and I thought Jonathan Taylor Thomas, okay? You want to see how dated I am? <laughs> Don, Donald Trump. I thought JTT when I saw DJT. Jonathan, President Jonathan Taylor Thomas. I didn't know that today was the 42-year anniversary of Reagan's Reagan being shot. And then today they indict Jonathan Taylor Thomas. How, unbelievable. The deep state celebration on such anniversaries for occult energy just after Christian killing, plus before the trans day of rage. Today was Don, uh, Ron D's book signing. Transformation. Yeah, between Rich Barris and Kathy O'Brien, I don't know who to bring on tomorrow night for a special Friday night guest. But yeah, tomorrow's the trans day of of uh, of visibility, which is ridiculous because you you can't get rid of it. You you can't you can't you can't spend a day without being smacked in the face by it. So they they talk about rage and revenge and. Um, and they're being enabled by the state. So, talk about cannon fodder. This is the weirdest French Revolution I've ever seen. All right, into the Rumble rant. So we've got a few. So let's get on over there. First one up is from Dan Schumann. Says they're just trying. They're just trying to tie Trump up and keep him busy while he runs his campaign. Same playbook as Russian collusion and impeachment. One and two. In the end, they get nothing. I, I don't. I don't see how they get. I, I don't know. At least now we get discovery, right? But that's New York. New York Circus. That's what we got. D. Schumann again says, let's all send Frank a $10 super chat and tell him we love him. I'll be the first. Love you, Frank. Dan, you're so nice. Thank you. I'll take that as my happy birthday from you. Thank you so much. KT Sky D says, like this, ding dong. Just giving Rumble Rant tutorials, Franks. Oh, so there's a ding dong out there. That doesn't know how to do the rumble rant. Well, thank you, KT, for helping Ding Dong. It's great to see all the people who are hanging out in in the rumble chat, actually. Schumann again. Thank you so much, Dan. Cat Sky D. Calling those cookies Samoas is frowned upon now, you racist bigot. They're caramel delights now. Are you? What are you talking about? They have been renamed caramel delights? No. Hold on a second. Girl Scout Samoas renamed. Did the Girl Scouts change the cookie from... Hold on, this is from a Quora. No. The answer is no. They didn't get renamed. Caramel Delights versus Samoas. What's the name? No, I don't, I don't, I don't give a shit. They're Samoas. They always will be. Uh, let's see here. Toward the end, a lot of great, great action over here. Hold on a second. Go on down. All right, here we go. Spud Hill says, "Grace and Frank sounds like a good show title. We like her. She's, she's, she's one of the best. She's one of the best." Nana knows says, "Frank, a survivor of the Titanic, and has the T to prove it." Yes, and you know what the greatest thing about this this shirt is? The white star line. The greatest thing about this shirt is it's this was bought for me in fifth grade. This was bought for me in 1995. My father got it for me and it grew with me. 
and it fits perfectly. Like, I can't tell you. I, I don't remember it being that big on me when I was in fifth grade for it to, to even have, you know, for me to grow into it or something. I've been wearing it semi-regularly since 1995, and it has held up so well. Now watch me pull it off over my head tonight, and it's going to rip into three. Very weird how I grew with this shirt. Kobe Wan says, have you ever asked King how stinky the cheese would be that he'd bring on the island? I don't know. I'll ask him next time he's on. What kind of cheese would he bring on the island? Larkstar said, happy birthday, Frank. Love you. Oh, thank you, Lark. You're wonderful to me. Now, I must tell you, for here on, from here on in, no more Super Chats because I can't read them. I have one thing to read for you. I have to go to pill.net right now. I have to go to Foxhole, and I want to check out all the things there, the Super Chats there, and then I have to read something to you, and then we're ending. River Pike says, hi, Frank. Hello, River Pike. Boys Blanc, thank you. Captain Flint says, nope, frozen Thin Mints are the best ones. Frozen Thin Mints are great. They are. They're my the second thing I go to. But I can't have more than maybe four or five Thin Mints. Then they start they start wearing on me. Doug Simmy, Thin Mints. Sean Joe, thank you so much. Keith, Grace is right about books as a hard copy. Unchanging. Awesome. Yeah. There's no updated. You know, the Guardian can't update this. It is what it is. The lights go out and you still have information that you can access. Let's see. Uh, Maggie May, thank you. And then B-Tech Vendetta pops up with an EMP. Thank you so much, B-Tech. Says, Frank, you always bring the most amazing guests and conduct thorough interviews. Thank you for keeping the world based and entertained daily. Grace, please join the foxhole. Grace has a podcast, too. Remember, go to her her website. All of the information that pertains to her world is in the link tree that I put in the description of this episode. So um, I know that people in the audience have already gone out and bought the book. People have been saying it in the, the chat room. They're buying the book all over the place. Very happy. That must feel so great to have somebody pretty much say, I'm not going to, you're, you're not going to waste my time. I'm not going to lose money taking on a project like this. You'll never sell 10,000 books. Nobody buys books like this, not in this genre, nothing. And she sells 10,000 in three weeks. I'm telling you, the age of the publisher, the age of the, the, the record deal for the band, it's gone. If you have something good, build a brand around it. If you, if you have a brand built up and you have good, loyal audience... And you have a, a good idea that you want to... You don't need anybody to distribute. So that's wonderful. Uh, two in the pink. Says, hey, Frank, how you been? Long time. Well, it's great to see you again. Hope you've been well. Boys Blanc, thank you again. B-Tech says, happy birthday. And then Jay Bruski says, for epic shows, past and present. Cheers. Thank you so much for the ship. You guys have been wonderful. Now, I'm going to release the scratching. You guys enjoy yourself. Don't go anywhere on quitefrankly.tv because we have wonderful after-hours programming coming. Now, here's a little something I wanted to read for you to end the show. As you may know or may not know, today is the is opening day for baseball. And I know a lot of you don't watch baseball and 
if it's a professional sport anywhere, you you probably think it's evil and you just don't want to give any money to one thing. And I understand all the boycotts that people have going on out there. But when it comes for somebody like me, and I know there are many of you out in the audience who feel this way, when it comes to our past and when it comes to our past times, especially baseball, it's very, very sacred to me. Baseball is a way that I... I, I, uh, I grew and strengthened bonds with friends, with my mother, with, with, my, with other family members. I mean, it, it, baseball has been, it's very important to me. And as an American, you cannot extract baseball from history. It is just a, um, it, it just runs parallel to American history. I mean, the Civil War spread it around the country. Uh, it has been through every major up and down, every war, every time of turmoil. I love the game so, so, so very much. And here's a story that I want to read to you uh, uh, here on opening day. This is 20 years ago, they say. Well, this is a little bit more than 20 years ago because I found this a few years back. But this is I'll just read it to you. 20 years ago in Nashville, Tennessee... During the first week of January 1996, more than 4,000 baseball coaches descended upon the Oberland Hotel for the 52nd annual ABCA's convention. While I waited in line to register with the hotel staff, I heard more other veteran coaches rumbling about the lineup of speakers scheduled to present during the weekend. One name kept resurfacing, always with the same sentiment. John Scalinos is here? Oh, man, worth every penny of my airfare. John Scalinos. Who is John Scalinos, I wondered. No matter, I was just as happy to be there. In 1996, Coach Scalinos was 76 or 78 years old and five years retired from a college coaching career that began in 1948. He shuffled to the stage to an unimpressive standing ovation, or an impressive, uh, wearing dark polyester plant, pants, a light blue shirt, a string around his neck, from which home plate hung, a full-sized stark white home plate. So if you know the, 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 the shape of, of home plate, it was hanging around his neck like a necklace. Seriously, I wondered, who is this guy? After speaking for 25 minutes, not once mentioning the prop hanging around his neck, Coach Scalinos appeared to notice the snickering among some of the coaches. Even those who knew Coach Scalinos had to wonder exactly where he was going with this, or if he had simply forgotten about the home plate since he'd gotten on the stage. Then finally, he said, you're probably all wondering why I'm wearing home plate around my neck. He said in his, his, growing, his voice growing irascible. I laughed along with the others, acknowledging the possibility. I may be old, but I'm not crazy, he said. The reason I stand before you today is to share with you, baseball people, what I learned in my life, what I've learned about home plate in my 78 years. Several hands went up when Scalinos asked how many Little League coaches were in the room. Do you know how wide home plate is in Little League? After a pause, someone offered 17 inches. More of a question than an answer. That's right, he said. How about in Babe Ruth's day? Any Babe Ruth, uh, any Babe Ruth coaches in the house? That's right above, that's right above Little League, like thirteen to fifteen. Another long pause, seventeen inches. A guess from another reluctant coach. That's right, said Scalinos. 
Now, how many high school coaches do we have in the room? Hundreds of hands shot up. As the pattern began to appear, how wide is home plate in high school baseball? 17 inches, they said, sounding more confident. You're right, Scolino sparked. And you college coaches, how wide is home plate in college? 17 inches, we said in unison. Any minor league coaches here, how wide is home plate in pro ball? 17 inches. Right, and in major leagues, how wide is home plate in the major leagues? 17 inches. Everybody screamed. 17 inches, he confirmed, his voice bellowing off the walls. And what do they do with a big league pitcher who can't throw the ball over 17 inches? There's a pause. They send him to Pocatello, he hollered, drawing raucous laughter. What they don't do is this. They don't say, ah, okay, Jimmy, well, if you can't hit a 17-inch target, we'll make it 18 inches or 19 inches. We'll make it 20 inches so you can have a better chance of hitting it. If you can't hit that target, let us know so we can make it a little bit wider still. Let's say a 25-inch plate. There's a pause. Coaches, what do we do when your best players show up late to practice? Or when our team rules forbid facial hair and guys show up unshaven? What if he gets caught drinking? Do we hold him accountable or do we change the rules to fit him? Do we widen home plate? The chuckles gradually faded as 4,000 coaches grew quiet, the fog lifting as the old coach's message began to unfold. He turned the plate toward himself and, using a sharpie, began to draw something. When he turned it toward the crowd, point up, the crowd was revealed and the house was revealed, complete with a freshly drawn door and two windows. This is the problem in our homes today, with our marriages, with the way we parent kids, with our discipline. We don't teach accountability to our kids, and there is no consequence for failing to meet standards. We just widen the plate. Another pause. Then to the point at the top of the house, so you got to envision the home plate, one, two, three, four, five sides, and he turned it over so it looks like, you know, the house, the roof on top of the... uh, the living space. Then to the point at the top of the house, he added a small American flag. This is the problem in our schools today. The quality of our education is going downhill fast and teachers have been stripped of the tools they need to be successful and to educate and discipline our young people. We are allowing others to widen home plate. Where is that getting us? More silence. He replaced the flag with a cross. And this is the problem in the church where powerful people in positions of authority have taken advantage of young children, only to have such an atrocity swept under the rug for years. Our church leaders are widening home plate for themselves, and we allow it. And the same is true with our government. Our so-called representatives make rules for us that don't apply to themselves. They take bribes from lobbyists in foreign countries. They no longer serve us, and we allow them to widen home plate. We see our country falling into dark abyss while we just watch. I was amazed at a baseball convention where I expected to learn something about curveballs and bunting and how to run better practices. I had learned something far more valuable. From an old man with a home plate strung around his neck, I had learned something about life, about myself, about my own weaknesses, about my responsibilities as a leader. I had to hold myself and others accountable to that which I knew to be right, lest our families, our faith, and our society continue down an undesirable path. If I'm lucky, 
Coach Scalinos concluded, you will remember one thing from this old coach today. It is this. If we fail to hold ourselves to a higher standard, a standard of what we know to be right, if we fail to hold our spouses and children to the same standards, if we are unwilling or unable to provide a consequence when they do not meet the standard, and if our schools and churches and our government fail to hold themselves accountable to those they serve, there is but one thing to look forward to. With that, he held home plate in front of his chest, turned it around, and revealed its dark black backside said, we have dark days ahead. Coach Scalinos died in 2009 at the age of 91. And um, I always love that that story about Coach Scalinos, especially as a, a 15-year, 16-year Little League coach myself. I can't wait to do it again one day. But I think it's, um, I think it's very, very relevant, especially for tonight's show, what's going on recently around the world and here in this country and, um, and because it's opening day. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, I thank you all so much for the time here tonight. I thank Grace for coming on and, and uh, making this night possible and really, really memorable. And after this concludes with the end credits, go over to quitefrankly.tv and enjoy a blast from the past. Throwback Thursday. We're starting with Coast to Coast, and then we're going to Quite Frankly. You're going to love this episode from 1996. So go ahead and do that, and I'm going to leave you with a little Vince Scully, a legend in his own right. Vince Scully reading a little bit from uh, Field of Dreams, and then we're off. Thank you, everybody. We will see you tomorrow. Ray? People will come, Ray. They'll come to Iowa for reasons they can't even fathom. They'll turn up your driveway, not knowing for sure why they're doing it. They'll arrive at your door as innocent as children, longing for the past. Oh, of course, we won't mind if you look around, you'll say. It's only $20 per person. And they'll pass over the money without even thinking about it. For it's money they have, and peace they lack. And they'll walk out to the bleachers, sit in shirt sleeves on a perfect afternoon. They'll find they have reserve seats somewhere along one of the baselines, where they sat when they were children and cheered their heroes. And they'll watch the game, and it'll be as if they dip themselves in magic waters. The memories will be so thick, they'll have to brush them away from their faces. People will come, Ray. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It has been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, it's a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good and could be good again. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come.
at you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is film before a live studio audience, and now our super chatter, starting with Malinformed Matt, Dooku Dan, and a whole bunch of my friends on Rumble Rant and all my foxhole gold pillars. I'll see you on QuiteFrankly.tv. We've got great stuff rolling all night over there, so go head over and get into that chat room. I'll see you tomorrow, 7 o'clock, to round out the last week of March. And into the weekend we go. See you at 7. Take care. <laughs>